0: and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcaster, Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week like I am every week, and I'm joined by our podcast research man, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you?
1: I'll say this, Gerald. I am um, I'm deep in the annals of, of uh, Texas all-time PDFs um, provided. Thank you, John Bianco, in the uh, sports information department. Um, I, I know more about Longhorn greats of yester than I ever wanted to know. Um, I'll just, I'll just say I'm excited we're doing this podcast because
0: I have to get this stuff out of my brain. And I'll be really honest with you. You did most of the work on this one. You and I usually have a fairly decent, uh, division of labor is what we'll call it uh, on our (laughs) show production. But you did, uh, basically all of the hard work on this one and I will be forever grateful to you for it. So Kyle, I am appreciative of, you, so, here's what we're going to do. We are going to wrap up our Rushmore series. Is a series, our, ra- our Rushmore series. And we realize <laughs> that with all the stuff going on, uh, as football, hopefully, fingers crossed, is coming at us, they're not going to have time to do eight more <laughs> Mount Rushmores. And so, we're just going to fly through them today. You're going to hear a lot of names and a lot of statistics And hopefully what we're doing for you here is giving you some education and some insight into some names you may not know about the University of Texas uh, as far as athletics go. So we've we've done the work already. We've pared it down to four per the remaining school. So we're just going to go quickly through them. So men's swimming, Kyle, who's on our Rushmore?
1: So, Gerald, you told me not to for too much, but I will give allow myself a a brief dalliance. There's three guys who are not going to be on here, but if you came back and did a revision, you could certainly see them making a a case, that there is a long way to go. This is our deepest pool, uh, pun intended, but uh, there's three Longhorns who would be competing this summer in the uh, Tokyo Olympics, had it not be for the global pandemic we're all well aware of, but uh, Michael Schooling, Jack Conger, and Townley Haas will hopefully be competing in 2021 when, uh, when they resume. Schooling, um, you might remember him, uh, shocked the world by beating Michael Phelps in the 100-meter butterfly um, at the 2016 Olympics. He would be looking to defend uh, as Singapore's first First-ever gold medalist and the first non-table tennis medal of the four they've ever won. Um, Jack Conger, uh, you may remember him from the Ryan Lochte gas station incident, one of the guys who could not make it out of Brazil. Lochte got out. Um, But uh, I'll leave that there. Google it if you don't remember. Um, But he won gold in 2016, again looking to defend. And Townley Haas, a man who has been waiting for the Olympics, has been groomed for the Olympics, a 10-time national championship, 18 All-American honors three NCAA title teams um did i'm sorry did win a gold medal in 2016 um but because he's just graduated is is a young uh guy who has a uh, a phelpsian appetite for more gold um so all of them will be uh adding to their resumes in the 2021 uh or yeah i guess 2021 now uh tokyo olympics but gerald start us at the top Who's the, the, the capo de copy, the, the, the dawn of dons for swimming in the world, much less te- uh, Texas swimming?
0: So, again, none of those people on the Mount Rushmore. We kick it off with the GOAT himself. Eddie Reese came to Texas in 1979, has since won 14 national championships, four consecutive from 88 to 91, then three consecutive from 2000 to 2002, and then again, four consecutive from 15 to 18, was on track for his fifth consecutive in 19, but then... Uh, well, the world got shut down for a pandemic. This is probably the most impressive thing, though. Uh, after his first season, so his second season and beyond, he has won a conference championship every year. Forty consecutive conference championships uh, has been the CSCAA Coach of the Year eight times, and is in three different Hall of Fames.
1: Yeah, including the big guy. You'll hear us reference a few times the ISH uh, OF, which is the International Swimming. Hall of Fame. He's he's in that one. That's the big one, but uh, yeah, he, he is the guy. Um, he's as good at his job as any human being has ever been at their particular job um, with all of those conference championships. And another guy who I think is almost equally uh, for people in the swimming world, uh, almost equally as big of a name, Adolf Kiefer, um, may not be to casual fans uh, there, but he was a backstroke artist, and he went on to have a pretty remarkable uh, career after his time in the pool, but the first human to swim a sub- uh, 100 yard backstroke, uh, won gold in the 1936 game, setting a world record in that 100 meter backstroke in 1939 All American, led UT to the conference championship that year. Then went on to be the officer in charge of all swimming operations for the U.S. Navy during World War II. After a study came out that they had lost, the Navy had lost more soldiers to drowning. And bullets. So they then went to our dude, uh, Adolf Kiefer, uh, to train up, came up with a, a signature kind of, um, you know, they still teach it in children's swimming, uh, but basically don't drown swimming uh, backstroke move. Um, named to the pre- President's Council on Physical uh, Fitness and Sports in that same International Hall of Fame in 65. But the thing that's most interesting about him is he started the largest swim uh, supply company in the world after. He did all of these things. They invented the first nylon swimsuit. Um, basically, he's, he's called the father of modern swimming. Um, you know, the, the best part about him out of everything, though, in 2000 career races documented, he lost only twice. Uh,
0: another guy who had a losing problem, uh, Aaron Pearsall didn't do a whole lot of losing either. Uh, the current world record holder for two different disciplines, 200-meter backstroke, 400-meter, Medley, relay, world record holder. He set those, uh, or I guess he set those before his retirement at age 27. Uh, The 2003 Swimmer of the Year in the NCAA. Six NCAA titles in just two seasons at Texas. One of five Texas swimmers to swim in three different Olympics. uh, 2000, 2004, and 2008. 36 medals in major international competition. And again, the ISHOF in 2016.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a guy just right behind him, Brendan Hansen, uh, breaststroke artist. You may know him if you've ever watched LHN uh, for the swimming events. He's, he's the uh, the color commentator on there at UT. Never lost a single uh, breaststroke event uh, during his his four years. A uh, four year old American, sixteen. Uh, All-American honors, specifically 14 national championships. The team won two team national championships in his four years. Uh, he's also one of those five uh, Longhorns to swim in three Olympics. Uh, lots and lots of uh, of medals in the 04 Olympics set world records. Basically, he has 25 uh, medals in major international competition. Uh, I think Pearsall had uh, 29 gold, which is crazy. Um, and Hansen had just a paltry 18 gold. Uh, again, incredible career in that same International Swimming Hall of Fame just this year in 2020.
0: So it's a heavy swimming lean for the men uh, of the men's swimming and diving team. Eddie Reese, Adolph Kiefer, uh, Aaron Pearsall, and Brendan Hansen rounding out your Mount Rushmore for the men. The women, the women, kick us off, Kyle. Who's our first lady on the mountain?
1: So Jill Sterkle is a name that probably, depending on your age, you may know her more in her coaching role but she was one of the best uh, coll- collegiate swimmers during her time all of which was at UT she holds the Texas record as a 28 time All-American again in swimming you can get All-Americans in each race that you compete in 16 times national champion um, she was the uh, before we've talked about this before with women's sports before there was NCAA there was the AIAW there was Texas was the two time team AIAW national champions in 81 and 82 81 she won the uh broderick uh, award basically the honda broderick is to the top female um in each sport and then they roll it up to the top female across all sports and she won uh that one for the top female athlete in in addition to her two as the top swimmer swimmer um she won uh, gold her first time at 15 years old at the 76 Olympics. she was the captain of the the US Olympic team um, the, that boycotted the 1980 Olympics, but she did get back. She was the captain in 84 uh, as well. Um, first women to make four teams, she was also the captain in 88. So just an incredible career, 16 medals uh, in international competition. And then she went on to coach the team, 14-time conference champ, six-time Big 12 coach of the year. She was an assistant on five national championship teams. Uh, didn't win one uh, as the head coach came very close, um, but did did, uh, did win 14 conference champs, now is an ambassador for the school when she retired from coaching in the International Swimming Hall of Fame uh, as well.
0: Not to be outdone with her on-campus resume, Betsy Mitchell, the 20-time All-American, nine-time national champ, part of the 86, 87, 88 national championship teams, the American female swimmer of the year in 1986 the honda sports award for swimming and diving in 88 the southwest conference swimmer of the decade for the 1980s in the 84 olympics a gold and the silver 86 world championships a gold and a world record for her trouble 88 olympics won silver made it her way into the hall of fame in 1996
1: Absolutely. And then another just prolific collegiate swimmer, Joan Pennington, one off of uh, Stirkle's record with 27-time All-American. She was a eight-time uh, national champion. She was really the great, the first great swimmer uh, on that first varsity team in 1978 where women's swimming was a sport. Um, she was the 1978 world champion in the 100 uh, individual medley and 400 freestyle, was that same Honda Broderick Award winner for swimming in 1979, basically the one. Heisman, um, member of the 1980 Olympic team that, as we mentioned, uh, boycotted the, the games held in Moscow, um, took a two-year hiatus, and then, because uh, she hadn't gone professional at that time, rejoined UT uh, in 1983 and led UT to their first NCAA uh, swimming crown uh, in 1984.
0: That is impressive. The Lone Diver. On our two swimming and diving Mount Rushmores, Vera Ilyina, five-time All-American. The the numbers are lower because there are fewer uh, opportunities, we'll say, for swimmers to get or divers to get that All-American option. Uh, four-time national champion on uh, two two-time 97, 98 NCAA Diver of the Year, and then she was a four-time Olympian for the Russians, uh, 92 through 2004 in competing in the Olympics in two decades. That's pretty impressive. And came away with a gold in 2000. So a good, a great career for Vera.
1: Absolutely. We had to make sure we got a, uh, a diver in there. There's some good swimmers, Leon Fetter, Katie Harris. We could have Whitney Hedgepeth. We could have thrown in, but we wanted to get a diver in there because it is Texas swimming uh, and diving. We had to cover uh, at least one on the uh, on the platform.
0: So this is likely the toughest one we had to do. Is women's track and field like narrowing this down was like the top was easy, but like spots three and four were tough. So the top fairly simple. Um, I will go ahead and call her the fastest woman to ever wear burnt orange. Sonia Richards Ross, uh, thirteen conference championship, six indoor, seven outdoor, two-time Big Twelve outdoor and indoor performer of the year. Uh, two thousand three, she would have been the performer of the year except she was the freshman of the year. Uh, the two thousand three track shark athlete of the year uh national championships uh in 2004 in the 400 indoor and outdoor uh in the olympics gold in the 4x4 in 2004 gold in the 4x4 in 2008 and bronze in the 400 then finally 2012 she got another gold in the 4x4 and her first individual gold in the 400 in the 2012 olympics
1: and then she went on and married Aaron Ross and is, as we've joked many times on this podcast, creating a superhuman, uh, either
0: let's go ahead and say Aaron Ross married her. Let's just go and say that because of the two, <laughs> you're right. Of the two, the more impressive resume is, is Mrs. Richards Ross.
1: You're absolutely not wrong. I once drove next to her on a highway and almost got in a wreck. I was so excited to see her. But, um, no, the, the the superhuman that they are creating between those two physical specimens, you're right. She's carrying, let's say, 60, 40, 70, 30, something. But there's a lot of good genes to go around. So another name that, honestly, if it wasn't for the hyphenated Sonia Richards-Ross, would be the top of any other schools. Mount Rushmore Carla or Carlette Guidry White. Um, just an incredible, incredible performer. She won that same Honda Award, the top track competitor in 1991 to go along with her 12 NCAA uh, titles, She holds the record for uh, single NCAA championship, highest score than any Longhorn uh, has ever put up at one championship, 17 conference championships, named the Southwest Conference Athlete of the Decade for track in the 80s, um, and was the indoor track and field uh, most outstanding student-athlete uh, in honor of a 25th anniversary of NCAA Women's uh, Championship Athletics. She was the track athlete so just an incredible uh athlete in college then you know just went on to win three gold medals in the uh in the uh, 1992 uh barcelona olympics uh in the as well as the the 96 atlanta uh olympics so um just a uh just a really incredible uh runner who again it's we're not ranking them they're both number one
0: Absolutely. These are all number ones. You make it on the mountain. You're number one. Michelle Carter is a more recent one. You've probably heard us talk about her on this podcast, uh, potentially even, uh, she was a seven time all American five time big 12 conference champ, uh, 2006 NCAA indoor championship on the team with the NCAA title second place in 2005. Um, the, 26 Olympi- the 2016 Olympics really what got her uh, solidified her spot in our world. She's the first American woman to win gold in shot put. Uh, the only other U.S. Olympian to win in the shot put was a bronze in 1960. Uh, she is the daughter of an Olympic shot put uh, silver medal, a seven-time national champion, an SMU great. You may rem- remember the name Michael Carter who was also a 49ers All-Pro defensive tackle and played on those Super Bowl teams in the 90s.
1: My favorite part about that anecdote is he still owns the national high school record by more than two feet. He said it, you know, in, in the 80s, I think, or maybe in 70s in high school there. Um, and Michelle owns the women's national high school record. So it's father and daughter own the men's and women's, which is just you don't want to mess with the Carter family if they have large objects in their hand that they can uh, shot put in your direction up to, I don't know, like 100 feet away. Um, but the fourth spot on this was tough, Gerald. I mean, Tough. This was brutal. I thought men swimming was bad, but this one was brutal. We argued amongst ourselves. We argued with our, our inner psyche. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and give it, and I do want to run down the list of honorable mentions briefly after we do this, but I want to go ahead and give it to her right now. The fourth spot claimed by, maybe a surprise to some, um, but shouldn't be Courtney Ocolo. Now she's the first female collegian to run this the 400 meter sub 50 seconds. It's a big deal. Uh, her senior year was just unbelievable. Texas was undefeated to any collegian. She did have some professionals compete in some of the open relays, but never lost a race to someone also in the NCAA ranks. Her senior year, um, she was the uh, NCAA Division One outdoor champ in the 400 meter in 2014 and 16. Uh, same thing in the 4x4 relay uh, in 14 and 16 in the indoor champ. She won the 420 in 15 and 16. And again, same thing, four by four indoor uh, national. These are all national championships, 15 and 16. So just knew how to win national championships and, you know, just went on. No, no big deal. Set the college 400 record at the Big 12 uh, championship uh in 2015 um then went on to break her own record in 2016 no one really gotten close to her because of that she was named the 2016 bowerman award uh and honda sports award as the nation's best female uh track athlete but then she went on to the professional level and just showed she's got it and this is i think what separated her is the olympic um track record in 2016 she won gold in the four x four uh she won gold at the 2016 world indoor championships in that same race uh in 2018 she won gold in the world indoor championships in both the 400 individually and the four x four relay um and and again would be one of those athletes who would be competing in 2020 at her peak at her prime ready to add more goals probably in both of those events no one runs the 400 better than courtney Okolo in the world right now um however again those olympics are postponed so for that reason is why we bumped her up to the top gerald who were some of the other ones we had a tough time cutting
0: well marcia Fett hooker i think was the hardest one for you and i because yeah. one she was big on campus when we were there she had an incredible career in Burnt Orange, nighttime All-American, 13 individual conference championships, national championships at the 05, uh, outdoors, 2006 indoor. She won two. Uh, the 05 and 06 uh, team championships, she won, uh, I think, the 100 in that one. Uh, still holds Texas uh, indoor and outdoor long jump records and was a uh, track and field athlete of the year, but did not find the international success that some of the others may have found.
1: Yeah, and it's tough because the I love Destiny. I love Marchevet. The whole Hooker family are Longhorn legends, and and it actually because of our bias of time frame, it gutted me. I first when we started this, just default put her and Sonya Richards Ross as an options one A and one B, and kind of slowly moving Marchevet down was 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 brutal. Hot hot uh,
0: take. Hooker sisters greater than the Ocho brothers.
1: Oh yeah, I don't know that that take is that hot. Um, I love, I love uh, both for sure. But I mean, come on, you have uh, actual multiple-time national champions and, and Olympians and, and just incredible uh, careers. But there were a couple others that were tough. Suzanne Reed won, won that. Uh, you know, again, we call the Heisman basically, but the, the Honda uh, award for for track and field athlete in 98 99, Juliet Cuthbert won that in 86, Melanie Walker, three three uh medals at Beijing. Uh, you know, we just had some really tough ones, and, and including that is Bev Kearney. I almost wonder if she would have got in there with her you know six national champions, uh, seven total one before UT, but coaching 37 players, uh, then two national champions 54 all americans in her time at ut but was dismissed kind of in a bit of a scandal and you could google that yourself if you'd like to um but i think that may have been one of the things also we just had so many runners there wasn't necessarily a, a need to put a coach in that spot but some really really deserving people in the uh, honorable mention
0: absolutely i mean melanie walker uh bev kearney is another one that we didn't get to mention but um There's a lot, a lot, a lot to uh, To say there, men's track and field This one was pretty cut and dry Um, I mean You gotta start with the guy who the Texas Relays are Named for, Uh, so Clyde Littlefield uh, Was a three sports Star at Texas Uh, Football, basketball, and track In 1912 and 1916, coached a whopping 41 seasons, 25 conference championships to his name, seven top ten finishes, including a national runner-up in 1927. Again, he established the Texas Relays. Um, this is incredible. Trained officers in fitness for World War I. Coached the 52 Helsinki Olympic team. Uh, he's the He was the president of the NCAA Track Coach Association, uh, Track and Field Hall of Fame. And then, again, just because he's that Incredible, a two time Southwest Conference football championship under his belt.
1: Yeah, a, a guy who, you know, if he would have coached football more, probably would have more of those, but only coached it for a few years and did it at the highest level. I think he won, uh, or w- at least a conference coaching award, if not a national one. He was, he was, he was good at getting people, uh, to do their best and to do it the fastest they could. Another one who, uh, you know, is, is a bit. Uh, recent and so might be in some people's minds. Leo Manzano was a nine-time All-American at UT, still holds four UT records. Uh, He was the 2008 Men's Track Athlete of the Year. And, of course, Gerald, that's uh, from our favorite acronym, the Ustifka, the U.S. Track and Field and Cross-Country Coaches Association, USTFCCC. A of course uh, <laughs> As we like to say on here um, But he's the first longhorn to ever Make it in the 1500 meter distance guy de- Most decorated athlete uh, In the history of men's uh, track and field At UT 2012 Olympics Won the silver again in 1500 meters Which uh, is a short um, Flight a medium drive and an Unbelievably long run um, a, uh, a outdoor champion Two times uh, NCAA champion at UT in 05 and 08 uh, 07 and 08 a two time NCAA indoor champion um, and a ten-time medalist in the U.S. outdoor championships.
0: Another another one who had is a recent guy, but had a, a good career at Texas and then made some waves in the Olympics. Uh, Ryan Cruiser is a track guy, I think, or field guy. I think he's the only field. Uh, player or specific field competitor on this but uh, NCAA championships in shot put in 2013 uh, the outdoor he had this interesting bookend where 13 he won the outdoor 14 he won indoor and outdoor and then 16 he won the indoor national championship Uh, for shot put for indoor he won uh, the uh, the Big 12 championship again In 2012, 2014, and 2016 In which he set an NCAA record For distance there uh, And then outdoor 13, 14, and 15 He also, uh, just because he doesn't like Throwing spheres, he also likes Throwing discs, won uh, two Conference championships uh, for Discus in the outdoor in 14 and 15 But the thing that really jumped, jumps out At us, even beyond his four Jutefska, uh Regional Field Athlete of the Year awards Is that he is the first individual olympic gold medal in men's school history right uh he won he set an olympic record doing that um which is actually the 10th all-time longest shot put in history so like that's a big deal great career and then is is setting records in uh, the olympics
1: I love it, the big fellow, and we're gonna go from a big guy to a really little guy. And you can't have anything to talk about Texas track and field without talking about Johnny Lamb Jones, um, a guy who just you know it was it was fun to relive some of the the legacy. Uh, he, he sadly passed away in March of last year uh, with a battle of multiple uh, myeloma, but we, we, the funding was was reliving and hearing people talk about the stories of him. But he's a guy who at every level is a legend. He has a legendary story. He was already before he got to UT considered a legend with I think the most Famous, um, if not infamous, Texas high school races in the history of, of Texas high school track. Um, you know, at the seventy-six UIL state and track track and field meet, uh, people, it's it's like the the uh, Malcolm Gladwell story about how many people claim to have seen Wilt Chamberlain score a hundred points. There was only like you know eight thousand people in attendance via ticket sales, but you know two million people say they were one of those eight thousand. Right? Um, everyone says they saw this race in nineteen seventy six. But he was running for land passes. Uh, he took the baton in the um, in the uh, in last place. Basically, they said they were about forty to sixty yards behind the leaders, and he just. Just murked him. He just basically, in the in the length of a of a, a lap around the track, made up sixty yards, and the video of it is is unbelievable. I think the, the Statesman uh, found it and released it, uh, a piece of it, um, in during the Beijing Olympics, and watching him react to it. Um, but I mean, it, it is just a mythical mythical run. It's one of the most iconic state of Texas track moments, and Texas has a very distinct track culture. Um, but uh, Johnny Lamb Jones was a legend then. So in 1976, that same year, as an 18-year-old, he went, and went ahead and went to the, the Olympics, the youngest athlete from Texas to ever earn a berth on a uh, Olympic track team. Um, he, he just went ahead and, and ran on the 4x1 relay that set a world record and won gold at that Olympic. So uh, Krauser was our first individual lamb, uh, won in the team gold. I think we've had a couple team goals, maybe two um, at that point. But he, he only ran track at UT for two seasons, was a two-time All-American his freshman year. He ran the 100 meters and point. Eight, five seconds, which would have been a world record hand-timed so they did a calculation for hand time that's like an automatic penalty that bumped it up to 10.14 uh which is the fastest 100 in the time uh in school history um ran some crazy 100 yard dash times 9.21 when they used to do 100 yard and uh in the 100 uh in 20.14 for the 220 yard dash uh there's still records um stood for almost i think 30 years uh at texas memorial stadium four times southwest Conference champion, um, and the the thing about him uh, is he kind of like fell off, deteriorated, just doing all the multiple sports. Um, remember, we talked. We didn't talk about him in the football podcast, but he was a number two overall pick, two-time All-American wide receiver, went on to play in the NFL. But just playing year-round was grueling. He he won the uh, hundred uh, in his uh, qualifying, and that didn't even win, uh, didn't even place in the uh, in the actual competition. Everyone said he looked tired, and then he kind of got hurt a sophomore year. Uh, but that's okay. He was still an All-American that year, um, and uh, and ran a ten-one hand time hundred and won uh, won the again the, the first round heat there. So um just an all-around maybe the fastest guy in 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 texas history that that put on pads as well as cleats uh, or track spikes i should say just a, one of my favorite uh favorite longhorns of all time
0: yeah lamb like lamb jones i he's like the folklore of the uh, I, I think today's episode is brought to you by cars.com Our our show now has taken on two halves, and so uh, we've got we've wrapped up the the flashy Olympic sports. Um, we've wrapped up the Olympic sports, so now we're going to move on to the country club. So now we've got <laughs> tennis and golf, and so we'll start with women's golf. And and again, like so many of these, you have to start at the top. Uh, Pat Weiss was the coach for. Well, longer than a lot of the people listening to this podcast have been alive. Mm -hmm. She took over in 1957, retired in 93. The first women's golf coach in school history uh, started the program in uh, 73, which she arrived uh, the same year as Daryl Royal. So once it became a varsity sport in the 70s, 11 of her 20 years, uh, she finished in the top 10, coached 11 All-Americans, 20 All-Conference players, uh, two individual national championships, three Honda Award winners, seven-time Southwest Conference champ, two-time National Coach of the Year, five-time Southwest Conference Coach of the Year, and National Golf Coaches Association Hall of Fame. Kyle, I'm out of breath.
1: Yeah, she's a legend, man. She's, she's just in, the, in like the Title IX kind of history. <laughs> in the history of of women's sports i mean she was such a champion and a lion for for women's golf she's respected beyond just the 40 acres just as a member i mean i didn't even list all the multiple associations she was on the lpga rules committee she was on the you know college coaches she was the president of that committee she just basically for the sport of golf and especially women's golf was kind of a champion for years especially as it became uh, first a varsity sport then a professional sport and she just kind of really was a, a huge voice in shepherding that um one of the 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 best Players under her um, is a a player who is just truly unbelievable. Again, one of those decorated amateurs before they got to UT and then continued on at the 40 acres. But Machiko Hattori was, you know, maybe one of the most decorated amateur uh, women golfers of all time. Um, And I won't go through everything, but at age 16, she became the the third youngest uh, champion of the U.S. amateur, one of only 12 still today. uh, Foreign winners of that event in its 115 year history became the first uh, golfer in 1980. To win the U.S. Women's Amateur and the U.S. Girls Junior in the same year. Three time uh, amateur stroke play medalist, yada, yada, yada. Just basically her amateur career. I could list off another 10 or 15 things. Um, You know, she was unbelievable, which uh, got her uh, to be uh, at UT. They saw that the kind of strength there in the, the legacy I just talked about with coach Weiss, which was a huge get for the Longhorns at that time. She was a four-time first team, all American four-time Southwest player of the year. She's the Southwest conference golf athlete, uh, of the decade. um, she was the 1989 Golf Week and NCGA Collegiate Golf of the Year, 1999 Honda Broderick Award uh, winner. Uh, one of only two golfers in UT history to win five tournaments in a single season. Um, she was in 40 events at the University of Texas. She was in top 10, 30 eight of them, three individual top ten finishes just at the NCAA Women's uh, Championship. Uh, She actually was tied for it. She was about to win a national championship, was tied in regulation and lost in the playoff in 1989. Never played in the LPGA, though. A lot of these people will talk about had distinguished careers, but she went in and holds many records in the Japanese LPGA, uh, Michiko Hattori.
0: Absolutely. So next up, um, you've heard the name Betsy Rawls. Before, as we talk about players winning the Betsy Rawls Invitational, but Betsy Rawls uh, was at the University of Texas a decade before Coach Weiss arrived. And and so uh, golf was only an intramural sport at Texas at that point. Uh, She went on to have 55 LPGA wins, which is sixth all-time, one winner of eight majors, which is sixth all-time, and she currently sits in the World Golf Hall of Fame, and she has a tournament named after her, so she belongs (laughs) on the mountain.
1: Absolutely. So then for our our fourth spot, we basically had to pick between uh, three uh, players who won the Honda Broderick Award as the best golfer uh, in the country, three players who were uh, an All-American each year. They were at UT and three players who were the NCAA individual uh, champion, basically very tough. So we had to uh, look at it and look at contributions to Texas during your time. Uh, on the 40 acres. And so because of that, Debbie Patrizzi gets the nod because she was at Texas uh, for three years, three-time All-American, 1978 uh, individual champion, the AIAW, um, 1978 Honda Broderick Award winner, uh, led Texas uh, teams. She was on to three top 10 finishes. Uh, Heather Bowie, who was only there two years, uh, and then uh, Charlotta Sorenstam, Monica's sister, uh, who was only there one year, each had incredible times but just weren't there as long. So uh, the nod. Goes to Debbie Pertuzzi.
0: Got to give it to her. Okay, so we're gonna keep it in the country club and go to the men's side. Men's side. Um, Jordan Spieth is the man, right? Like we have to start with uh, with with Spieth. I mean, there's a lot to say. I mean, there there are other names. That you're like, ah, oh, that guy could be the man too. But um, as a as a professional, his his resume is pretty long. He only spent a year at Texas. First team All American, uh, 2012. Uh, NCAA championship for the team as a pro he was the number one golfer in the world for a little bit uh, 11 PGA wins 3 time major winner uh, the 15 FedEx Cup uh, the 15 PGA American player of the year second youngest Masters winner uh, tied the low master low score for the Masters in history with Tiger Woods who is arguably one of the two greatest golfers of all time and the uh, he's a two time uh, season scoring champion which is the Varden Trophy in 15 and 17
1: yeah, he's had an incredible uh, incredible career, but you know, just longevity-wise, uh, he has had the highest peak. But the, it's a tough slice between two guys um, for the, the next spots who are hard to separate. They played at UT together and were incredible. They went professional together and were incredible. And I'll take the first, and you can take the second, Gerald. Um, but the only guy who could give Jordan Speed the run for his money in my book, Bren, excuse me, Ben Crenshaw, a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. A lot of people, if you ask them to rank the greatest putters of all time, Crenshaw comes up in many of those conversations and many people will tell you he might be the best putter of all time, really, was just his bread and butter through through both the college and professionals rank. While at UT, he was a three-time individual national champion, three-time All-American, back-to-back team NCAA championships, played three years at UT won 18 tournaments, Uh, just really (laughs) unbelievable uh, at the college level. And then at Pro, uh, top 40 all-time, 19 PGA Tour wins, two times uh, Masters champion, I believe he's the oldest Masters winner, and the 1999 Ryder Cup captain.
0: That's – I love it. I love watching the Ryder Cup. Uh, The Ryder – not Ryder Cup, Ryder Cup. Uh, Tom Kite is one that uh, would be probably – number one on a lot of schools lists, but again, Texas is well, I was just gonna say it, better than everybody else. Uh so at Texas he was a three time All American, uh, with back to back team championships and he was uh team national championships and was a member of the nineteen seventy 1970 and nineteen seventy two Southwest Conference Championships as a pro 19 PGA Tour wins, which puts him in the top 40 of all time. Uh, One major under his belt, 1997 Ryder Cup champion. uh, 1981-1989 PGA American Player of the Year. Two-time season scoring champion, again, uh, the Varden Trophy. You've heard me talk about that recently. The 1973 PGA Tour Rookie of the Year and was the money leader in 81 and 89.
1: Yeah, Kite is is an interesting – he's probably the most cerebral golfer of all time. A lot of people say he's the greatest short iron uh, player. He's the first player to switch it up and ever do three irons. Uh, or three wedges, excuse me, in the bag, which is I think standard now. Um, he's the first uh, golfer to see a sports psychologist and really think about through that side of the game. Um, just to you know, if Ben Crenshaw was the natural, Tom Kite was the scientist. So just the fact that they're yin and yang are really interesting. Uh, a mentor to both Gerald and I, uh, Mel Hauser uh, has written books, I believe, about both of these guys or their time uh, at UT. So check out anything Mel Hauser ever writes about golf. Um, but uh, but. Yeah, interesting on both of those uh, fronts. And their final one, um, just a name if you've played golf in the city of Austin, you must be familiar with um, Harvey Pennock, a member also of the World Golf Hall of Fame, um, often called the most gifted instructor of the game of golf. Whether he was a great player or not is really irrelevant, but just was this incredible person who had the ability to teach and coach and mentor. And, and even though he wasn't the golf coach at UT at the time when Crenshaw and kite came through, he was a mentor to both of them um, and then continue during their PGA tours. They would be the guy um, that, that, you know, he called and 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 gave tips and watched and said you need to fix this was kind of their personal uh, coach but he was the UT golf coach from 31 to 1963 giving him 21 southwest conference championships in 33 years in the span of 20 out of 23 uh, in 30 in a in a stretch between 1932 and 1954 um, he also coached some LPGA and World Golf Hall of Famers. Uh, we, we mentioned uh, Betsy Rawls. Um, he also, is it was an intramural sport uh, at the time, he, he coached Mickey Wright, who's basically across the board considered the Jack Nicholas, the greatest female golfer of all time, and then Kathy Whitworth, who's the first woman to ever reach a million dollars in career earnings. That's number one, two, and six on the all-time LPGA wins list. And then Harvey Pennock's Little Red Book, which you may have heard of, is the highest selling golf book uh, ever published still to this date. Um, it's a simple, digestible thing that everyone should uh, should keep with them and, and kind of, again, helps you understand that that mental approach to the game of golf that uh, that can get you at least to to pretty good
0: love it love i i mean i have no desire to be good at golf i talk about in my uh my development classes when i talk about developing people like people gotta want it and i don't want to develop at golf it's always the example that i use women's tennis let's take it to the the court so again we start with the coach uh jeff moore um if if eddie reese wasn't in today's episode jeff moore would be probably i mean there are a lot of incredible coaches, but Jeff Moore did it better than most of them. 594 career wins, which is number two in NCAA women's tennis history. One of four to ever cross the 500 win threshold team championships. at the NCAA level in 1993 and 1995, the NCAA finals in 92 and 05 NCAA final four in 90, 94 and 97 and the elite eight, Three other times 12 top 10 finishes coached eight different all-americans the ita national coach of the year in 1993 six-time southwest region coach of the year from that same publication nine-time conference uh, coach of the year uh, between the southwest conference and the big 12 and this is just incredible 197 and in nine all-time in conference play
1: <laughs> the poor Southwest Conference was Jeff Moores, and that wasn't eight All-Americans. That was 18 All-Americans he coached. They, they were good uh, all throughout those times. Southwest Conference, uh, you couldn't touch the horns. The, the next on our Rushmore Women's Tennis is Kelly Pace, a five-time All-American herself. You'll see some numbers here that sound odd in tennis. You can get singles as well as doubles All-Americans. Kelly Pace was a member of two NCAA championship-winning teams, NCAA's National Senior Player of the Year in 1995, where she was ranked number number one in both singles and doubles finishes a runner-up in both unfortunately in the NCAA championships um, but won a bronze medal uh, in the U- for the U.S. at the 1995 Summer Universidad which is basically a competition globally that's uh, um, a combination oh it's, it's Universiade is how you pronounce it I'm sorry because it's a combination of Olympiad and university it's college players from across the globe uh, who compete uh, she is the UT career singles win record holder all time to this date.
0: Big time. Susan Gilchrist, a, the first four-time All-American in singles and doubles, led Texas to its first-team NCAA championship in 93. They had a runner-up finish, as mentioned before, in 92, and a third-place finish in 1990. She was a member of the 1990s Southwest Conference All-Decade team because she led Texas to four. Team titles of the Southwest Conference. Three time Southwest Conference Player of the Year, consecutive 90 through 93. Won a gold medal for the U.S. again at the 91 Summer University. University Universiad. Yeah. And then went on to be a doctor who now teaches at MD Anderson. Shout out to all the incredible people doing incredible work at MD Anderson
1: that's like that's awesome I just love those anecdotes when you're like oh that person was good in college and they, they did cool things but then oh now they're a cancer doctor at probably the best cancer hospital in the like, world like, so, uh, like
0: sports are sports are great but sports are not really important so like being a doctor and instructor at MD Anderson is so incredible
1: shout out to all the frontline workers all the hospital workers all the uh, doctors and nurses and, and staff uh keeping people safe right now we'll keep moving vicky painter uh, a four-time all-american the university of texas three-time ita national champion a uh, two-time southwest conference doubles champion helped lead texas to its first NCAA like uh tennis team title in 1993 holds the school record mark for doubles winning percentage, almost 90% uh, or 87% in the single uh, season record for the highest doubles winning percentage, it's just shy of 95%, ranked second in school history in career doubles wins and third in career singles wins. A lot of great uh, female tennis players during that time under uh, that coach who, who could have been in here here in that that honorable mention.
0: So So many incredible players, but... For the sake of not having a two-hour podcast, we are going to move on to the men's tennis. We're going to close it out because we are the Internet's only (laughs) Texas Longhorn men's tennis podcast. We had to put this one at the end. And Kyle, since you're the one that cheated to do this, I'm going to let you kick this one off.
1: Well, obviously, Gerald, you got to start with the 2019 championship team. That's right. They all go up there, all their beautiful faces. Um, The drama, the passion, the pageantry, the story, uh, Aunt Vicky, I mean, or Aunt Becky. I mean, it's just like, it's crazy uh, this the how this happened but I mean really you you look at the the driving force with all American yuya Ito uh beating the defending NCAA champion uh singles champion Petros uh Krios-Sokos in the in the final uh for Vanderbilt I mean just set the tone Christ, uh, Christian Christian took down uh go another top-10 player in those finals uh Sysgaard and Harrison Scott earned all Americans and were a top five do- double team uh in the country the team itself went 42 and six undefeated in conference Uh, In addition to SIGS at number one and ITO at number two in the Big 12 uh, championships, Leonardo Tellez was a co-number three singles uh, Big 12 uh, champion. Colin Marks was a number five singles. Rodrigo Banzer, co-number six six, uh, singles champion. So um, topping the record from the 06 team was four single slot championships. They they did all that in addition to losing one of the top coaches in the country um, kind of in the middle of it all, Bruce Burke stepped up and held that team together to a truly Cinderella storied season. That's why the whole team gets in there, Gerald.
0: Um, it's fair. I'll, I'll allow it because, again, it's our podcast. We do what we want. Uh, Kevin Curran is the next one. Uh, he won the 1979 singles champion without dropping a set. In the six tournament matches, he played three-time All-American, three-time Southwest Conference doubles champion. Wimbledon runner-up in 85, reached the semis in 83, uh, beat some names you may know in that run. Uh, Jimmy Connors and John McEnroe uh, reached the finals of the Aussie Open in 84, was ranked second in the world in doubles in 1983, and fifth in singles in 1985, won the U.S. doubles crown uh, with former UT teammate Steve Denton.
1: Yeah, Denton, a guy who just barely missed the cut here. Uh, we won't go into detail, but he held the world record for the fastest serve for many years. Steve Bryan is our next up, though. Uh, he only played two seasons at UT, but that's all he needed to get on this list. Became the fourth Longhorn to win NCAA singles championship in 1990. Was a two-time All-American in his two seasons at UT. Then went on to become the Volvo Tennis Rookie of the Year in 1989. The Volvo Tennis Player of the Year in 1990. Holds the uh, single-season school record at UT for combined season victories with 70 and winning percentage with uh, just rounding up here 90 percent career winning percentage ranked second in school history at just over 81 percent competed like i said professionally in that atp tour for seven years ranked among uh, top 80 in the world inducted into itc college hall of fame
0: you ready for the last name ever for texas rushmore's kyle Bruce Barnes, taking it all the way back to the 1930s, he was the 1931 NCAA singles finalist and won the doubles title with Carl Kamrath, uh, won the Southwest Conference singles and doubles championships in 1929, 1930, and 1931, won 23 collegiate titles, and was among the world's first pro tennis players. Really is influential in how the sport grew. Um, National Pro Doubles Championship in 32, 34, and 39. Won the 1933 Professional Doubles uh, Championship. Won the 1938 National Open Singles and Doubles. Won the 45 Professional Singles Championships. And the coach of the 1939 U.S. Davis Cup team, uh, which is basically like the World Cup of Tennis.
1: Yeah, my favorite anecdote about Bruce Barnes is that uh, this just places how how old and what a different time it was. Along with Lou Gehrig, he was one of the original camel athletes to endorse camel cigarettes. The the, the slogan that, that he was on, uh, the little advertisement was, Camels don't give you wind, which I don't even know exactly what that means, but I think it means you can smoke cigarettes and still uh, compete at Wimbledon.
0: That sounds um, terrifying is what we'll go ahead and say. <laughs> That's it. Kyle, the long national nightmare is over. We (sighs) have – I'm going to say that again. Uh, Kyle, that's it. We're done. No more Rushmores. Uh, I hope you guys had as much fun with them as uh, we had preparing them. Uh, It was fun for me at least to dive into the history of some of these things going on uh, at Texas.
1: Yeah there was some there were some people who I I spent way too much time in wikipedia wormholes from some guys from the 30s 40s 50s who I'd never heard of but had just incredible careers that that add to the the storied traditions of the University of Texas and just a reminder how many of these sports we really truly are uh amongst the the elite of the elite uh there was you know crazy stories about guys um you know who who were collegiate champions and then were paralyzed and then fix their own, you know, uh, paraplegic diagnosis by doing surgery on themselves. There was a guy who, you know, was a uh, collegiate national champion, then went on to be a professional rodeo guy, then went on to be, um, you know, in the, like, Hall of Fame for stunt actors, appeared in, you know, every Western you've ever heard of. I mean, just those things are so incredible, the history, and I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you, you heard all of these Rushmores and you disagreed. And if you disagree, even though I did all the research, please... Hit me up with the replies of Texas. Tweet at the show. Tweet at me. Tweet at Gerald. Whatever. Let us know your thoughts of these multiple Mount Rushmores. But uh, it, is, it is a joy to put a button in this. Maybe we'll revisit it in 10 years.
0: Here's hoping. So, Kyle, close this out. Godzillatron, man. What are you, what are you watching? Now the football's on the horizon. We've got a clock on when we, can, uh, when we have to stop streaming. So where's your streaming time being focused?
1: That's right. It's hashtag grind the tape time. So I gotta, you know, I gotta get in what I can, what I can fit in. Uh, just very close. I think I have four more episodes of The Sopranos left. It's been a great journey. Tired of, uh, or you know, uh, sad to, to wind that one down. But I've watched some interesting uh, shows in the interim. We we went to movies a little bit to fill the gap, so we wouldn't have to use all our Sopranos up. We watched uh, Molly's Game, which is, is older, but it's on Netflix. A couple years older. Very good. Actually, I was surprised. I, I didn't realize until after I watched it, it was written by Sorkin. Incredible dialogue. I'm Almost too perfect obviously the the Sorkin conundrum and then I watch uh, Insecure every week with my wife which is fantastic Uh, and Issa Rae the star of that uh, had a movie with Camille and Johnny uh, called Lovebirds which is just a perfect nonsense spend an hour uh, and 15 minutes comedy rom com just an excuse for them to be funny together Um, and I love him from Silicon Valley and and many other things and and love everything Issa Rae does so it's a great uh, recommendation on Netflix I think uh, you can find all of the or Molly's Game and, and Lovebirds, both movies on Netflix.
0: If you like Camille and you haven't seen The Big Sick, also check that film out. Real, real good. Yeah, uh, it's a it, we saw it streaming, and I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard in a couple points. Uh, not a not a not a fun watching all the times, but it's definitely a good watch. So my wife and I continuing to plod through our Marvel rewatch. We got through uh, Thor and Captain America, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, as a 1950 or 1940 serial, Captain America Captain America holds up for me. And then Thor, <laughs> I love seeing uh, Kenneth Branagh and, um, and Kenneth Branagh directing superheroes is something that I never knew I wanted, but it's like Shakespeare with capes and absolutely love it. Uh, D- HBO Max came out and it's like HBO's like streaming service. Um so I have access to that whatever we'll just leave that there uh but we <laughs> I have uh, they have all like the old adult swim lineup and I went back and started rewatching the boondocks and Regina King is officially the greatest actress nice. uh that's working because she voices both of the children in that show and it's just absolutely incredible
1: amazing amazing she's a treasure um I, that's nice I didn't realize you could you could stream all the boondocks I may have to get in there and do that I've never watched fully all the way through
0: but that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pre-Gamer at Texas Pregamer.
0: You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn LonghornPod. Here's an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We'll see you next week for our LSU preview. And until next time, hook'em.
1: Hook'em. So long, Mount Rushmore's.